is something that is so near and dear to my heart and I'm so passionate about you know, wanting to encourage this more for everyone is really like listening to their own bodies and through direct experience of actually feeling how you feel after you eat something. And not yeah, and by eating something, I don't mean just food. I mean emotions. I mean relationships about everything. So from your own source of direct experience, right, and using a self-referral phenomenon to be able to make the decisions that are best for you. Because I think that in this day and age of information overload and our truly genuine, you know, um, yearning to get the best information as possible, right? We kind of export the whole decision-making process to the trusted professional professionals out there, right? Hello and welcome back to the Mindful Belly Don't Eat Your Feelings podcast. I'm your host and health coach, Ellie Rome. In this episode, I had the wonderful pleasure of interviewing Susan Chin, who is the CEO of Susie's Grain Free. So if y'all haven't heard of Susie's, it's an incredible line of muffins that are free from gluten, grain, soy, dairy. There's no GMOs, no fillers, no stabilizers, no additives. So this is so important. And this is why I love Susie's because they are made with real food ingredients. And not only that, they taste awesome. So that's a huge piece here, especially I love giving simple swaps to my clients. And you'll know that's what I'm all about is up-leveling the default mode. So if your default is running to Starbucks and going to grab those muffins, like what can we do to give you a quick, convenient breakfast that's going to satisfy that? For those emergency moments when the kids are screaming, someone's sick, you blew your tire and you just need something to eat. So you can keep these in your freezer and again, grab and go option. And compared to a Starbucks muffin, like Starbucks muffins are super high carb, loaded with sugar, high calorie. They're filled with you know damaged fats, hydrogenated oils, fillers, additives. And so having this simple swap option that tastes amazing, that's going to have you feel satiated after eating it. And the ingredients like I love reading the ingredients list. First ingredient, cage-free eggs, organic extra virgin coconut oil, coconut sugar, which is lower glycemic, Susie's flour blend, which is almond flour, arrowroot flour, coconut flour, has coconut cream. So all these just nutrient-dense ingredients, and that's the key here. So not just looking at like a calorie count or even like, I mean, it is great that they're lower carb and higher, have more fiber, but that the actual quality of ingredients, that there's integrity in these ingredients. And I was so psyched to have Susan on here because not only with her awesome muffins, but Susan's journey from going from, she was on Wall Street, completely shifted gears and creating Susie's, developing this company with the mission of integrity and helping people fuel their bodies in a way that can help them tune into their intuition. And she is also a meditation teacher. She went to India and has leads workshops and retreats and I'm psyched she's got one coming up in February in Austin. So check that out if you're in the area. But in our conversation, we dive into how fueling your body is so connected to your ability to hear your intuition. And same with calming down the nervous system from our constant stress and the loops we get into. And I think this is so crucial because you know, this was huge for me. And for those of you who are new to this podcast, I was a chemical engineer before becoming a health coach. And it was through this journey of being able to tap into my intuition. And that wouldn't have been able to happen. For me, it started with food. 
So I was eating such crap, you guys. I was eating so much sugar and so addicted to junk food and sugar and carbs and thought I was doing well with the whole wheat bagels and the the whole grain and all this low fat stuff, diet foods, quote unquote, and was wreaking havoc on my body and my energy and completely clouding me from being able to see my intuition. And that's what led me, you know, once I changed my nutrition and started being able to get off, like clear the fog first, and then starting to recognize my patterns. And that was the biggest thing with, that's why this is called mindful belly. The mindfulness piece woke me up, started waking me up to everything. So it started with food. So I changed my nutrition. Then it was my patterns. Then it was, okay, well, I was still binge eating, even on healthy food. So it was like, okay, why am I doing this? Starting to tune in to my compulsions to why I was using food for certain things. Then I was, you know, at the time um, I was, so as an engineer, I was so brain fogged and um, ADHD, I've got ADHD, but my, which I think I have a whole nother podcast coming out on that, but that it's not a disorder, but a neurological type, but it can become a real hindrance when you're fueling your body with things that are really highlighting the, the not so great things about ADHD and really suppressing the gifts that come with it. And so nutrition was fueling that for me and I was brain fogged. So then I got, was put on stimulant medication. So Adderall and Vyvanse. And then I was just like burning the candle at both ends and just like on this hamster wheel, like, where am I going? And then finally, you know, through nutrition was able to get off that medication, clear the brain fog and tune into like, what am I doing? And then was tuning in. Why am I in this relationship or why am I in this job? Why am, and then really the passion coming through for nutrition and wanting to help people heal their bodies and get off sugar and break through these compulsive behaviors and you start to love yourself. Ultimately, that's what this is all about, self-love. And I don't mean to be rambling here, but just the connection that food started this journey for me and I see it start the journey for so many of my clients. I'm literally just finished with one client and I'm currently working with a client that have left their jobs during our time together. And I'm not coaching them. I'm not telling them, Hey, leave your job, but it's an awakening. They realize when they start taking care of themselves, when they clear out all the mud and crap and realize how good they can feel in their bodies and start prioritizing themselves, it wakes them up to like their major stressors in their life and the things that are causing them unhappiness. And that they're worth it, that they're worth so much more than that. So they're able to let their jobs go and they attract the jobs and the careers and people in their life that they want there and their world changes. And so what it's so beautiful is like, you know, coming in, I'll start working with a client and they're coming in a lot of times because they're having, they are addicted to sugar. They're binge eating. They're wanting to lose weight. And those are the main goals. And then they come out of it and it's just like, not only are they getting those results, but it's like, what it opens up in their world is more than they ever intended in the beginning, which is why this is the best job ever to be able to be part of their journey for that of a client who mindfulness has been everything um, from finances to relationships to job, you know, it's all the things. So love this conversation with Susie what she has to share about tuning into intuition and the relation with stress and that stress can come from, you know, food, from job, from all, all areas of life. So how can we reduce that? How can we use meditation and breath work to 
help us to calm all that down, calm inflammation down, which is the cause of all disease, to bring that down and to tap into our intuition so that we can make conscious choice. I think that's the most powerful thing you can have is that not running on autopilot and making conscious decisions that are for your best self. And before we dive into the episode, <laughs> we will get there. Um, I want to offer you one thing that I recently heard that is so powerful. And it's this question that was offered from y'all need to read the book um, by Camille, Kamal. It's called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. And it is so powerful. And the question that he offers in the book is, if I were to truly and deeply love myself in this moment, what would I do? What would I choose? What would I feel about myself? You know, and if you can ask that throughout the day in moments that you're maybe tend to go to your default mode, it's such a pattern interrupt. And it's such a powerful question to have because we can answer if questions, you know, even if you don't necessarily feel like you love yourself fully right now, if you did, what would you do? So start asking that. And I would love to hear your feedback on this. Okay. Well, now we'll dive into the episode. So here we go. Hi, Susan. How are you? Doing so well. How are you? Good. Thank you. I'm so happy that you are able to come on the show and we're willing to. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's been a long, it's been long overdue. So I'm happy we could, we could find the time. Yes. Well, um, I'd love to just start out with, like, if you can tell the listeners who you are, what Susie's is. Yeah. So my name is Susan Chen. Uh, I am the CEO and co-founder of Susie's Rain Free. Um, we are a grain-free baked goods company uh, based in New York City, launched in 2017. And, um, you know, our mission is to deliver the world um, a really great tasting, mindfully crafted, you know, good-for-you line of baked goods that really start to educate people that um, and, and learn from direct experience that you can have really delicious tasting things um, that are so great for you that make you feel good too. So um, this project was really born from my days when I was still working on Wall Street um, before starting Susie's. I'd worked about 14 years on Wall Street and, um, you know, started feeling like it was time to create. And at that time, um, my co-founder Mason and I were really bonding over our love for health and wellness in New York City um, and really started baking um, to really suit his needs. He um, is gluten intolerant and has been for a really long time and he had solved like most of the puzzles in his life in terms like wellness and eating and all that stuff. But as you know, with baked goods, um, they either uh, aren't super healthy and the gluten-free stuff out there is pretty processed or, you know, it is really healthy um, and has a great ingredient deck, but it doesn't taste particularly good. So I just felt like if we could make all of these delis delicious tasting things in my home with lots of love and care and thoughtfulness behind the ingredient deck, 
like what was going to stop us from going out and doing it, you know, on a bigger level. So I dedicated a year of my life, decided to take a year off of finance, um, went out and did some teacher training in India. I'm also a meditation teacher and tried to figure out if we could actually scale this business and to deliver, um, you know, our products to a big scale. And, you know, now it's three years later, haven't gone back to my job yet. (laughs) I love this so much. and just really enjoying the process of being able to educate and delight people, you know, really all at the same time. Yes, this is so awesome. And I do want to highlight like the point you made about there being a lot of like gluten-free products on the market that may look healthy, but a lot of them are just kind of junk food. Like I remember, uh, cause I made that mistake. I went, when I first transitioned over to like a like I found out I was gluten intolerant, I was eating a bunch of the allergy-free processed food and I felt terrible. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think that in the very beginning, because this is all about like changing mindset and changing habits, it's really easy for us to say like, oh, wow, like, you know, I can't have my white bread anymore. And now I'm going to go have this gluten-free bread and it says gluten-free on it. And, um, but what we realize is that so much of the food out there is processed these days. And it's not just for gluten-free too, like even in like even newer movements, like the keto movement, you know, you see a lot of the keto products that are touting, um, you know, specific attributes like low sugar, right. Or, you know, or one gram of net carbs, but then you flip to the back of it and they do put a lot of synthesized products on it. And, you know, it's, it's from, from, from the Susie's perspective and every one of our team members feels the same. It's not that, you know, we want to be exclusive of and, and, and like speak negatively of, you know, the industry for us, it's really about just sort of highlighting the awareness of ingredients and highlighting to, you know, our community, um, that there are alternatives that you can still eat really well and eat simply um, without, you know, really sacrificing that processed food and mass commercial, you know, food, um, you know, era that we seem to be, that a lot of us seem to be um, be in these days. Totally. No, I love that. Yes. And what what about like when you got started, I guess, from, from Wall Street to, to baking, when did you yeah. know that, when did you know that it was going to be like, or like what led you to A thing? make that? Yeah. <laughs> like how did that even come about? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's actually funny because a lot of people will, will like look at the journey of Susie's and the journey of like my own personal life and think like, oh my God, your life is so different than, you know, three or four years ago. Like how did you just decide one day to do it? And it's funny. I actually did, um, I, I wound up writing a series of um, blog posts for Camille Styles that I'll send to you after the podcast that kind of talks about my journey. And, you know, I really do feel, and we can see this through the perspective, the lens of perspective in our own lives that like big transformation and big evolution always happens um, from the perspective of a lot of small steps to get us there, right? So I didn't necessarily wake up one day and be like, I'm leaving my job. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go find a co-packer. But it was really like opening the mindset of opportunity, right, and possibility. Because I think that sometimes we're conditioned socially through, you know, 
the environment that we were raised, the schooling that we had, and being colored and, taint and tinted by our own personal experiences to feel that our range of opportunity and possibilities is like very narrow, right? Um, but once you start to really be able to expand your perspective, everything looks like a possibility anymore. There's no longer like a whole world of problems out there. <laughs> yeah. Like an entire world of opportunities. And so, you know, I was remember the day that I just like looked at Mason one day after we were like, you know, chowing down on like a delicious muffin that I had made. And I was like, why can't this be super delicious? Like, why does like all of the super healthy stuff have to live in stores like Hugh Kitchen only, right? And of course, now we know that Hugh was asking the same things of themselves because now they're, you know, this mega successful, awesome brand out there with very similar values as Susie's. And so we asked ourselves this question, like, why wouldn't we be able to bake this, but a lot more of them and try and sell them in, in, in some way where we could give it to a lot of, I'm going to share it with a lot of people. And it was just like really small steps, like, let's go see if I can find a manufacturing facility, right? Because I don't have access to, you know, <laughs> on my own. So like, who could make this for us? Who would be a great partner? And then we found a really, really wonderful partner that could make it at scale with quality ingredients at a price that is affordable for people, right? Um, you know, I live in New York where, you know, I can buy a, a keto bagel for nine dollars <laughs> yeah. available to me but um but you know we knew that to really be able to make an impact in you know um in in the food system we needed to be able to offer at a good price so it was like all right let's just go go see if i can make this work and so literally i was like on google you know typing in you know muffin manufacturers and you know muffin facilities and then we started like calling them, you know, calling them after work, calling them on the weekends. By the way, they don't pick up the phone on the weekends. They don't do that. So, <laughs> away into conference rooms, you know, at lunch break for my job, trying to figure it out. And then it got to the point where I felt like there was so much support of nature, meaning like with every, you know, what if it was almost solved for me immediately and instantaneously that I was like, all right, I'm getting the message. Like this is something I need to pursue. And so for all the, you know, the entrepreneurs out there that, um, that, that asked like how you get started and how were you able to gain so much momentum so quickly? I always say like, there's always a list of things that we need to like, get done, right? To launch anything and to create anything. I'm sure before you launched your podcast, you had a list of things that needed to get solved, right? And you just go through the list, you know, like, don't take things too seriously. You know, we always, you know, we're serious about our food, but we don't take our, you know, we don't take the creation process too seriously, because we know it's going to be malleable and adaptable. And with every task that you approach, you're going to learn really high grade information. Right. Um, and as you continue to go, if you have the openness of iteration, then things are going to fall in place as as they're meant to. So that was really the process, you know, being open and flexible and adaptable. Um, and uh, and yeah, you know, we're really super proud of the product that we have in market right now, you know, um, uh, as entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you interview so many of them and you bring them on your podcast. It's like, you know, that you are always kind of torn between having a passion to bring the greatest fill in the blank, right, to the market, but also having this 
tension, and I think it's a healthy tension of creating a sustainable, healthy business that can actually last the test of time to continue to do those great things you want to do, right? Um, and so I think that, you know, being able to be adaptable and flexible and keep all these things in mind is, is a great formula for continuing to create in an authentic way. Yes, that's yeah. so awesome. And so when you when you start so like calling manufacturers being like the first step, did you test did you test your muffins on people? Did you have like a certain flavor you started with or was it like you know, um, our, the first flavor that we all kind of fell in love with and by we all meaning like Mason and I <laughs> <laughs> the team. Yeah, was the sweet potato muffin because, you know, like back in the days where like people were like really gung-ho paleo, like you don't really see like paleo so in your face these days, but like, you know, four or five years ago is definitely like the thing. And the sweet potato was like, you know, the thing you could have because you couldn't eat white potatoes. But apparently now white potatoes are allowed on the paleo program too. So <laughs> back then, like it was still kind of a like in the gray area. And so we really fell in love with the sweet potato muffin, but we kind of knew that like you don't launch a, a line of muffins without a blueberry muffin. So I worked really hard at it and then it started to become my favorite. Um, but I knew we kind of had a winning line of products when I would be able to bring it to my office, you know, on Wall Street, I worked on a big trading floor. And everybody on the trading floor is always hungry for food. And generally, they don't really care if it's gluten free or paleo grain free or anything. And you know, we would have these like big blowout like Friday morning breakfast where like people would bring in like Dunkin Donuts, or they would bring in like cannolis from their, you know, neighborhood Italian bakery. And I knew that once I started getting the request to bring in like my stuff, and people were eating it over, you know, some of the more sugar laden treats that they used to like, you know, we knew that it was a product that would have appeal to not only the people who are very strictly paleo, but just people who like to eat good food in general. Yeah. Um, but you know, the general, um, the general course of business when you go look for a manufacturer is, you know, you go there and you, you sell your story, you know, especially as a new entrepreneur, it's always good to try and have like what I call like the adult in the room. <laughs> <laughs> like we're the kids and cause you know, I've never been in this business before, but we were really lucky to have found um, a really wonderful advisor early on who could take those early meetings with us. And he was actually, um, you know, a, um, uh, a, a lifelong, um, a lifelong executive at HEB and he had, you know, retired and was mentoring new entrepreneurs in the CPG space, you know, has been a foodie since he was 16 years old, bagging groceries, you know, at HEB. Um, and still now, even though he's, you know, technically retired, he probably hasn't, he's like the busiest he's ever been because he is continuing to mentor and educate um, entrepreneurs like myself who have great ideas, but not really sure how to go there um, and you know I was very lucky to have met him during my Wall Street days but you know LinkedIn is probably the most underestimated you know channel for you know social connection these days I feel and it's really incredible especially in the food and beverage business how friendly and willing to help everyone is you know by and large um, you know and that's and that's how I think you know it it would be a great place for new people who are looking to get into the food business is like go out on LinkedIn, like start to, you know, instead of being on Facebook, looking at, 
you know, what your, what your friends from middle school are up to now, now that their kids are on spring break, you know, spend that time and go on LinkedIn and like send those messages because people will pick them up and they will take that call with you um, and send them my way too. I'm happy to, happy to help out in the way I can and, you know, bring the ladder down to help others um, who are in a bit earlier stage than me because I know that's what I do when I, you know, am in um, a spot where I want to figure out something for the next growth of, you know, the growth uh, phase of growth for Susie's. I call entrepreneurs who've gone through that phase and they're so willing to help me out too. So, you know, it's a very collaborative community um, and it's different than other industries out there, I will tell you by direct experience. Um, so I always um, encourage people to make the, the most of it. Oh, this is so valuable to mm. just know. Yeah. And to use this LinkedIn. Um, did you find that? So you said like things were just falling kind of like, the universe is opening these doors and like things are kind of falling into place. Did you have any obstacle, like any major obstacles or roadblocks kind of in the early development stages? You know, um, I think for us, it was really about how we were going to make our business profitable from early on. Um, and there's like two schools of thought about it, right? One is like, let's just get the product in market and let's get, you know, social, like not social proof, but like the proof from the, the consumers like that this is a really big hit. And then once you go into scale, meaning you can produce like tens of millions of muffins at a time, then the cost will come down over time. And I think that that works in some scenarios, but I think for us, it was important for Mason and I to build the foundation from a really, really strong place, meaning like, okay, well, if we launch it at a at a price that continues to allow us to be profitable, then at least we, you know, live to fight another day, right? Because in the other scenario, when you're not generating the right amount of profit, then you're going to be more beholden to, you know, a lot of capital flowing into your business. And, you know, not everyone has access to it. And maybe even if you do, maybe that's not the route you want to take. So I think pricing for us was pretty big. Um, in the beginning and definitely it wasn't really a roadblock but it was definitely something that I needed to really understand you know because they're like market dynamics there's some sort of like economic psychology that's in around it like you know a product that's that's priced at 199 versus 299 is gonna have a lot of different like it's gonna have a lot of different buying behaviors associated with it. And then you, then you go down to 99 cents and like now the doors blow wide open for a ton of people to buy your stuff, right? But if you're going to have a product that's certified gluten-free, that's non-GMO project verified, you know, we only use like almost think around 60 to 70% of our products um, of all of our ingredients are certified organic. Like, you know, you, it's, you, there's always this healthy tension with healthy food companies. And I'm sure you hear this from a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs that you work with, which is, you know, how do we get it to a price that, you know, where we can influence, you know, maximum amount of people, but still be able to, you know, run the business in a profitable way. So even for someone like me who had like a finance background, it was still a lot of learning for me in the first year of our business. Wow. And did you have any, did you have any issues with like recipe wise, like going to a manufacturer or with certain yeah. ingredients? 
you know, it's funny because like you think you have like the perfect recipe and then you actually go into a large scale facility and like you're going to have to rework the entire recipe again anyways, right? Because, you know, their oven have certain, you know, they have certain constraints on their facility side that we don't even think about at home. Like, um, you know, they're, they, they use tunnel ovens instead of just one oven that you open and close. And even if we're not such a big facility, even a medium or small, small size facilities will have rack ovens and actual like ovens where you can like wheel an entire rack in. Right. And so like that oven is going to, you know, give off a different, you know, baking temperature and baking profile for your for your product than you would when you were testing it at home. So I think the biggest learning for us was that, you know, you could like nail down the recipe and then you'll still have another six months to go <laughs> working with the manufacturer to make sure that your recipe matches exactly, um, exactly how you want the product to taste um, and the texture to come off in a larger facility. Like to give you a really like, um, like brief example, you know, like we mix a batter for our muffins or our donuts at home, and then we pipe the donuts straight into a donut pan and then we bake it. But when you're starting to think about, you know, baking, you know, entire runs where we're mixing like 500 pounds, a thousand pounds of batter, like the batter is going to be sitting around for a couple of hours before it winds up you know, getting deposited and putting into the oven. Now, now there's like a whole science and chemistry behind that because like how does the baking powder, you know, um, settle into the batter, you know, during that time, you know, does the chocolate powder wind up oxidizing with the baking soda? And like you just have all of these things that we never really took into consideration as like home chefs, right? Um, so it's, it's definitely a big learning process. And when you choose your manufacturing facility, it's, it's definitely a good thing to inquire about, like how strong is their R&D team or are you basically just renting, you know, their facility for hire? You know, we've partnered with some good facilities that are able, that have strong R&D teams that really care about the quality of the product. So we're able to move along that R&D process a little bit more swiftly. Um, but it's definitely something that I didn't really anticipate um, because I've never done large scale manufacturing before. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And do you think like, as far as ingredients go, were there ever any, like y'all have such integrity in your, in your products. So like no wavering on mm -hmm. the, the quality of ingredients. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, every day we're challenged. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we make the, we wake up with the decision to make a concerted effort to make the decision every single day to keep the quality of ingredients high you know, and hopefully we're doing a good enough job telling the story that the consumer understands why they're paying more for our product than, you know, a muffin that is shelf stable that has um, a shelf life of six months or something like that versus why, you know, our products have to be kept frozen and all of these things. You know, Mason and I joke a lot that our products sometimes can be like, you know, they're, they're, they're a little bit more high maintenance than your regular Entenmann's muffin, right? Because, you know, you buy it frozen from the, from the freezer um, in your grocery store and that in of itself, it's a, it's a minute, it's a bit of like a mini pilgrimage to find Susie's, right? Mm -hmm. And then you finally find it and you go home and you got to stick it in your freezer. And then when you take it out, you either have to take it out like an hour before for the muffins or, you know, 10 or 15 minutes before for the donuts. And there's like a little bit of thought and preparation that has to go in 
into enjoying our food. And you're probably going to pay a little bit more for it because of all the great ingredients. But we think the payoff is there, right? Because it tastes so darn good. We think we have the best products on market for what they are, right? In terms of, you know, hitting all the attributes, being truly healthy, like low sugar, you know, all these great things. And, you know, at a price point where you don't feel like, you know, it's really hurting your wallet to be able to buy it. But all of that comes at a bit of a cost, right? Um, and so hopefully we're telling that story well um, to our consumers so they can understand why they're paying for it a little bit more. Because the alternative for us is to say like, okay, well, let's just scrap the non-GMO eggs and We'll just go GMO, right? Or, you know, let's scratch the organic ingredients or let's, you know, let's, let's cut all these corners. But then, you know, then, then we're putting out a product that has, um, that doesn't have our heart and soul into it. And this business is already challenging enough day in and day out to create, you know, this business and to keep it going that once you take the heart and soul of it out, then it's like, what are we really doing it for, right? Um, and so hopefully, you know, our, our loyal customers and fans um, can, can appreciate, you know, where we're coming from and we're telling that story properly. Totally. And I want to speak a little to this is that um, your the products are amazing. So for any of the listeners, like they truly are delicious. Honestly, I've eaten them frozen because I had no patience and they're delicious frozen. And so just want to say that. But um, also, if you can kind of share a little bit about like why for people listening, like why should they choose Susie's? Like why versus even like a gluten-free muffin? Yeah, you know, um, you know, one of our main pillars for creating the product is that we wanted to use as many whole ingredients as possible, right? So we use almond flour in our products, right? But, you know, we know how that gets processed. You know, you take ground almonds, <laughs> you blanch them to take the skin off, you dehydrate them, and then, no, sorry, you take whole almonds, you blanch them to take the skin off, then you grind it to a powder after you dehydrate it, and that becomes almond powder. So we can trace back to the whole ingredient. You know, I think that where we get um, a little bit, you know, mixed up in um, our search to eat healthy sometimes is what we like to call like the active ingredient complex, right? Which is like, you know, the buzzword of the day is, you know, low sugar or the buzzword of the day is, you know, no net carbs or minimal net carbs. And then you go and chase that because somehow, you know, um, the experts in the field have told you that that is the thing that's going to get you happy, right? Either you're going to feel better, so that's going to get you happy, or you're going to look different, or that's going to get you happy. So they chase that thing exclusively, but what, what winds up happening in that chase is that they forget that, you know, this product may be like a super highly processed thing that they're eating. So you may be, you know, reaching the target of, you know, zero net carbs or one net carbs or being paleo, but like, let's take a look at the sugar count a little bit, right? Yeah, if it's a paleo product, but it's still really, really high in sugar, is it actually something that's healthy that we should be eating on a regular basis? Or if it's a paleo product, but it has xanthan gum in it, right? Which, um, you know, people do say that it's a naturally de derived ingredient, but I challenge everybody to go on YouTube and Google <laughs> how um, on YouTube how xanthan gum is made, and you'll see that it is, it's absolutely not a natural ingredient. 
right? And so you start to think about the things you're putting in your body, and you, and at least it's from from our perspective that we really want to be very holistic about our health, right? Because what's good for the tummy is good for the mind, it's good for the heart, and so that's really where we approach all of the ingredients that we put into our product. You know, um, Mason is gluten intolerant and he eats grain-free 95% of the time. I eat gluten-free about, you know, 50% of the time. You know, I really enjoy having, you know, rice that's cultivated from, you know, a great farm that we know is not um, hybridizing their grains. And, you know, rice feels great to me and great for my body, right? So we're not out there saying that, like, you know, all grains are bad or, you know, um, you know, if you eat gluten, it's bad. And this is why, you know, Kayla and I, you know, um, my uh, marketing team member that connected the two of us, um, we really believe that, you know, we don't want to talk about like, you know, um, our product as being a clean product and that if you don't eat a Susie's product, you're eating an unclean product. What we mean by clean really is unprocessed. Okay. And I think that's really um, gets at the heart of, you know, our philosophy on how we nourish, you know, our bodies and how we like to um, educate people through our products too. So, you know, uh, the more steps that it takes to get an ingredient <laughs> to wit to its final stage before putting it in our product, the more steps they are means the more refined they are and the more processed they are. So we want to try and get simple ingredients in our products that still taste great and can bring us back to all of the foods that we used to love to eat before, you know, um, before we, before, um, you know, we, before Mason went gluten-free and grain-free. Yes. And I think this is a huge point to make. And I love that you distinguish like Mason does this, this works for him. Rice, mm -hmm. like you do well with that. That works for you. And I think it's important for listeners to hear that. That is I'm guilty of this. When like when I first started this, I was gung ho paleo. Seven years ago, I was like, and because it worked for me. And so I was like, everyone has to do this. This is the way it is, you know. And I think paleo is an amazing template. It's low inflammatory. It can be really helpful. But like, it's also a starting point and maybe you clear out some stuff and you can kind of experiment what does work for me. Yeah. Maybe it, and it's not good or bad. It's just like, what do I feel the best eating? And I can choose that today. Or maybe I'm going to have this thing and I'm not going to feel that great. And then I'll decide next time, you know, releasing the judgment. And what you're talking about right now is something that is so near and dear to my heart and I'm so passionate about you know, wanting to encourage this more for everyone is really like listening to their own bodies and through direct experience of actually feeling how you feel after you eat something. And not you know, and by eating something, I don't mean just food. I mean emotions. I mean relationships about everything. So from your own source of direct experience, right, and using a self-referral phenomenon to be able to make the decisions that are best for you. Because I think that in this day and age of information overload and our truly genuine, you know, um, yearning to get the best information as possible, right? We kind of export the whole decision-making process to the trusted professional professionals out there, right? And it is true that there's so much great information and there are so many wonderful thought leaders in the health and wellness and nutrition space. But at the end of the day, they are also only speaking from their own personal experience and their body type and their stage of life may not be the same as us, right? You know, I um, spend a lot of my time in India, you know, um, 
uh, learning more about Ayurveda each and every year. And you know, Ayurveda is the um, is the body of knowledge from India that covers um, health and well-being. And one of the main tenets of Ayurveda is that everybody has an internal system of self-healing and creative intelligence, right? Meaning that we should know if we didn't have all this stress in our bodies and if we weren't so easily influenced from the outside world, exactly how to nourish ourselves and how to heal ourselves as well. You know, we've lost a little bit of that internal memory, mainly through our hectic lifestyles, as well as, you know, being so um, subjective digestible to the outside, you know, recommendations that I think, especially in the West, we've lost this very innate natural sense of intuition of how to eat and how to live, right? And, you know, it's, it's our hope with Susie's that we can give them small little sweet bites to really enliven that memory that like, you know, you can have a balanced life, right? And still enjoy some sweetness in your life um, without having to sacrifice all of these things that, you know, that out, you know, that outside world and that huge body of knowledge, which does have relevance in our lives to not be so swayed by it and to really start to dig in a little bit deeper to know what, what works for you. Yes. Oh my gosh, this is so good because I love that you're saying like, even not just with food, but like with other things in your life, like and even it just starting with food, because a lot of times if you are, if your gut's all messed up or you're eating a ton of sugar, it's hard to eat intuitively because it's like the cravings are so bad <laughs> or like the, so um, what, what would you say, I guess, around like starting with food and then it evolving into other aspects of life? Yeah, and you know, um, in a public service announcement, PSA, I am not a nutritionist, right? <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I speak from direct experience and from what um, my own experience in terms of going from, um, uh, from a mindset of looking for information out there to really being able to trust my own direct experience in life and again this is not just with food but this is with relationships this is with my career this is with my sleeping habits you know with everything which is we want to do our own research and then we want to look at the results of our research and be you know fair and balanced with it and make the next right decisions for our lives and you know um you know uh it's been an adage in so many different cultures that, you know, food is medicine, right? Let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food, right? Um, you know, in Ayurveda, we all, um, Ayurveda also says that, you know, health starts with food and disease also starts with food as well. I think that for us, you know, not only is, you know, it's not so much about what you eat, but it's about what you digest and what you're not digesting in your gut will turn into, you know, what the West would call toxins and what Eastern philosophy would call would, would be called AMA, A-M-A. And it's basically the Ayurvedic way of talking about undigested food that turns into somewhat of a sticky white film that gets into every last crevice of your body, right? And so more like a physical manifestation manifestation of toxins because before when people used to talk to me about toxins I'm like what is that exactly yeah. <laughs> in Ayurveda it actually says you can actually 
you can actually look at it like in the morning when you wake up if you take a look at your tongue and you have kind of that like sticky white film or substance on your tongue that is actually like undigested food that's coming out through the detoxification process when you're sleeping at night which is always good to take those tongue cleaners out um, and after you brush your teeth give your tongue a good scrape so you don't put it back into your body after you swallow and have water and stuff like that. But, you know, through this whole feeling and understanding of, you know, we have the choice to, choices to either nourish our bodies with food that can be easily digested and absorbed that then turns into wonderful energy and creative intelligence for our bodies or you know, we can ingest food that might not be so great, that is, is a little bit more processed, right? That then can turn into, you know, toxins and can start to cloud that creative intelligence. Once I started to understand that, you know, everything that we do, like, is a choice, right? And it's a wonderful choice we can make each and every day. It actually just started to change the way I thought almost about everything, right? Because, you know, you can eat, even if you take it another step further, you can eat the most nutritious and delicious meal, but if you're eating it with the attitude of stress or anger or fear, you know, you can tell, like you've been to those, you know, dinners with loved ones or even non-loved ones where it's like the conversation gets a little heavy and then like all of a sudden, like you lose your appetite to eat, right? Yes. <laughs> And that's the phenomenon that we have. If we have, the, if we have a stress physiology trying to absorb nutrients, that's also not going to be optimal for us as well. So, you know, it's, it's my, you know, this, this whole mind-body wellness connection and balance is something that, you know, we think a lot about. Um, and uh, it's something that we put a lot of focus on, which is why I think, you know, balance in all of our treats, you know, for Susie's and with every, all the other products that we're thinking about bringing to market has that same philosophy too. But, you know, we could be riffing on this all night. <laughs> all day. Yes. Well, I do want to ask you, like, for anyone listening that is really having trouble tapping into their intuition and, like, listening to their body, what would, what would your recommendation, like, for first steps be to kind of learn how to tune in? Yeah, good question. So there's one funny, like there's one misconception about stress that I'd love to share um, today, which is that, you know, most people think that stress is like a disease of the mind, right? Which is why like, we'll go read books and we'll, <laughs> you know, go to talk therapy. And these are all wonderful things to do. But stress is actually a phenomenon that's stored in our physiology. And every single cell of the body has stress memories that have been accumulated since the time that we were in utero. Okay, not even since the time we were born. It's, it predates when we were actually born because we actually take the stress that comes in, um, you know, when we're still, you know, resting in, you know, our mama's wombs, right? And so what begins to happen is that the stress is actually stored in our body and not of the mind. And so as much as we can be intentional about not being stressed in our lives, if you have stress memories that are stored in the body, we can't really do much mentally to get rid of it because, you know, we have this wonderful thing that's kept the human race alive and well for so many years called fight or flight. <laughs> and the fight or flight response happens instantaneously before your mind can even go to the place where it's like, oh no, Susan, don't freak out about this. You're safe. You're all right. Like the body doesn't know any better and the adrenaline and the cortisol is already starting to 
force through the body and to start that, you know, um, that cascade effect of stress that begins to affect the way we eat, the way we sleep, the way we think, you know, all of those things. And so that's the one misnomer that we, that misconception about stress out there that, you know, you can journal your way out to, you know, being stress-free. Journaling helps and I do it, right? But what we really need to do is to find a technique for rest that can offset the stress. It's a physiological numbers game. If we have enough rest in the body, there is no stress that can stay in the body. Okay, and so now the question becomes, like, how do we get more rest in the day, right? We can, we can sleep more, right? Which, and I would say that probably to all the listeners out there and us, you know, as entrepreneur to entrepreneur can attest to. <laughs> probably a little bit under, you know, you know, underdeveloped in the sleep area, right? And the sleep that we have at, in the evenings is probably not super, super restful because we're using that time to release stress. So, you know, techniques like meditation, you know, and specific techniques like Vedic meditation, which is what I teach, which can allow us to rest at a hypometabolic state, meaning we're resting at levels that are deeper than our waking state will really begin to flood the body with tons and tons of rest. And so when we're resting so deeply, the body goes into rejuvenation restoration and detox mode. And that's when the stress release begins to come out fast and furiously. So that's what we're really after, you know, techniques that, that can get us to rest really, really deeply. So stress doesn't stand a chance <laughs> of in the body and this is why I've you know dedicated the you know uh, transition from Wall Street into you know the healthy eating space as well as into the meditation and wellness space to really be able to be able to teach people a super powerful technique um, that can start to really allow the body to enjoy the rest and then re-enliven that creative intelligence of you know bringing back this um, this creative intelligence of intuition back into our lives, right? Because our inner guide and our inner compass is going to be the most powerful thing that we have. Um, and it's going to be even more and more powerful once it's not clouded by so much stress and distraction in our lives. Yes. And for, I guess, even for people, I guess, starting out, so you said Vedic meditation. Vedic. Is mm -hmm. that something that, um, are there like how would one get started in Vedic meditation? So there are um, you know over two hundred uh, teachers you know globally that teach this super powerful technique. Um, my teacher Tom Knowles um, learned this technique directly from Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, a great Indian guru who brought meditation to the West in the late 1950s. He's probably the most famous for teaching the Beatles and the Beach Boys and Bob Dylan and Mia Farrow to meditate in the 60s and 70s. Um, but this is a very pure teaching that, you know, I've been so lucky to have come in contact with. I went and took the course almost on a whim in New York City when my teacher was in town giving the course. And I've gotten just so much back out of it that I decided to, you know, in conjunction with starting Susie's, you know, went off to India for, um, for, for about six months to teach this and to study Ayurveda at the same time. And so... 
you, um, I'll link you, um, I'll send you the link and so you can share with your, um, with your listeners on how to find me, how to find the network of teachers. Um, and it's a four-day course, 90 minutes each day. And by the end of the session, uh, by the end of the four days, you, you become a self-sufficient meditator um, and you'll have a bulletproof home practice for life along with the support of all the teachers and the teaching network to help you guide you on your journey. But, you know, after having spent the greater part of a decade going on, you know, retreats and different meditation practices and really searching for that thing. Um, this has definitely been the most powerful thing for me to really widen my lens of perspective in my life. And it's so fascinating <laughs> how much bliss and joy you can live each and every day of your life without that stress. You know, we kind of know it because we get we get little tastes of it, right? Like, you know, we like take four or five days in between Christmas and New Year's and just really relish and rest because that's the time that we know we can be in our PJs and <laughs> watch <laughs> our favorite, you know, holiday specials. And then we come back in the beginning of the year feeling pretty recharged, right? And it's like, how wonderful would it be if you know, you were able to learn a technique that gave you that feeling each and every day. And the only thing that you needed to do was to spend 20 min minutes in the morning meditating and 20 minutes in the afternoon meditating. Gosh, yes. Yeah. I'm excited to be able to share that, the link. and yeah, absolutely. I teach in New York. I teach in Los Angeles. I teach in Austin. Um, and we have a, you know, beautiful network of teachers that teach all around the world. So your listeners are in good hands. Yeah. And where can they find, um, I guess you said you'd send the link, but, um, as far as I did want to ask you, as you're getting into meditation, you said, was that before Susie's, were you like always meditating or? Yeah, it was before Susie's. And I always like to tell people that Susie's was like the first born that came out of my meditation practice. No know? way. Yeah. You know, I think that when you're accustomed to a certain framework, in your life about how things are supposed to go. It was like, oh, like you can't leave finance. You can't leave your, you know, very stable job. Like, are you crazy? And I did hear this from many, many people <laughs> before I started it. And, you know, oh, or, you know, another question was, you just started your business. You know, you just started Susie's and now you're going to, you know, run off to India for six months and learn how to teach meditation. And what I would tell people is like, Susie's wouldn't exist today if I hadn't learned this technique to really broaden my perspective and my awareness and really open up myself to like, all of the opportunities that are available to me, right? Um, because what we're really after is getting ourselves to use all of our intelligence, experience, you know, um, our personalities to our maximum potential to do great things in life, right? Because when we do great things in life, everybody benefits from it. But what tends to happen and is the tricky thing about stress is that it begins to try to keep us safe, right? And stress thinks, right? Our intellect thinks that the only safe place is what's known, right? And so we typically follow these patterns that we've been conditioned to without really having this expansive perspective of like, what's actually possible out there, <laughs> right? And so, um, you know, meditation and Susie's has always come hand in hand. And, you know, every, all of our team members at Susie's um, meditates and we have, you know, people come into the office in the morning and the first thing we do is meditate together. And, you know, we send them off home after their second meditation. Um, Maharishi had this great quote that I just read recently in my most recent trip to India, which she said, 
no employer has the right to get their employees fresh in the day and to send them home tired. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was such a powerful message. You know, I'm like, yeah, damn straight, you know, employers and companies yeah. have that right, you know. And so, you know, it's been a big part of sort of our culture building that, you know, we want to raise everybody to their highest potential. And it all starts with rest and it all starts with bliss. And so that's, you know, our my commitment to our team to make sure that um, we're giving them all the tools they need to, to, be, to be well and happy because, you know, a well and happy um, team member can only mean good things for Susie's and the community that we serve as well. Yes. And for anyone that's like on the brink of like wanting to leave their job, because I felt like, what would you say, like, would you ever go back to Wall Street? Like, do you ever miss that? Never say never. Yeah, know? right. Yeah. You know, there's no, there, there's no forevers in this world, right? Like, um, you know, once, once we start to open up that field of possibilities and once stress stops ruling our decision making, what you realize is that there's nothing that's ever so like cataclysmic that can happen in life, you know? Um, because all of it is is just pieces of information that we use to make that next right decision. So, you know, if for whatever reason there was, you know, the relevancy for me to go back to Wall Street, like, yeah, I'd do it, you know? Yeah. I loved being on Wall Street. You know, some of my best friends were made uh, during those late nights I had, you know, at Morgan Stanley where I started off in my career. And, you know, I'm so proud of the fact that, you know, I had a great career and made great friends there and learned so much. Like, you know, I don't think I would be as great of, um, you know, an entrepreneur without having all those skills too. You know, I learned so much on the job too, but I also inherited a great set of skills as well. So everything that happens in life, you know, we have the opportunity to learn from and be appreciative of from, you know, for your listeners who are like thinking about a career change, um, I say go for it, you know, but you don't have to like, you know, we don't have to have the Jerry Maguire moments, you know, like who's with me, like take the goldfish and leave. Like we can start to investigate a little bit on our own before we make that jump because that's what I, what certainly I did, right? I kind of actually found a manufacturer to produce my product before I said goodbye to my job. You know, that's getting pretty far down the line, right? You don't want to, you don't want, we don't want to be in the habit of having the high bar of having everything figured out before we make the jump because, life doesn't really work that way in those cases, right? But do we want some stuff figured out? Like, yeah, that's probably a good practical approach to it too. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll send you the link to um, some of the writings I had done um, for Camille, and I think it'll really help put some stuff in perspective for the listeners too, and at least share my story of how I got there, and hopefully it'll be, of, um, it'll be helpful to, to hear at least one person's perspective on it. Yes, beautiful. Thank you. And I guess before we close, um, is there anything, or I guess, could you give, like, if you could give three pieces of information mm. to the takeaways for people who are trying to improve their health or just really like li listen to intuition, whatever it might be, what would you offer? Three pieces of information. Great. So, um, you know, I just came off from spending um, a few weeks in India and um, I would say that um, 
for those who are really looking for, you know, a sustained, you know, healthy, balanced life, it all comes from, you know, first taking a look at what your daily habits are. You know, um, I think true health and wellness comes back to all of those little things that you are doing or are not doing <laughs> in your life and being able to be honest about, you know, the things that you want to change and knowing that there are probably some, you know, shuffling of priorities and sacrifices that have to, um, that have to, that have to be made to, to really enjoy those those long-term benefits. So think about what your morning program is. You know, are you spending your mornings, you know, scrolling through Instagram and then being like, oh my gosh, it's too late. Now I can't go work out, right? Or um, are we mindfully, you know, keeping our, our phones on airplane mode, doing our meditation, going for our workout, and then turning on the phone to see what's what? Because the reality is, is there's probably nothing that we're missing on our phones <laughs> for the first yeah. hour awake so I would say like do a do and and approach everything with a lot of lightheartedness and and fun too you know like whatever has happened in the past has happened in the past and you know um, we always want to approach things with a lot of lightheartedness and fun because as we know the per, you know we can plan for everything in our lives but you know we know that throughout the course of the year or years or months you know everything winds up changing so dramatically anyway so what are we so attached to to begin with right so those are the first two things you know um, look at your daily habits and see what kind of program you want to put together that can really be self-sustaining the second one is approach things with lots of laughter and lightheartedness um, and the third thing would be is to meditate you know um, and find a meditation practice that works for you Obviously, I'm so passionate about the one that works for me, but it'll only become a daily habit if you're really, really bought into it and you can experience directly the benefit that it's having on your life. Amazing. Thank you so much. Of course. It's been so wonderful. I feel like this could be going on for another three hours. I know. I literally looked at the time. I was like, oh my gosh, shoot. It's already been an hour. Oh, Susan, I, I appreciate you so much. And there's so many takeaways in here. I'm so excited. And to be able to share your products because they're truly amazing. And yeah. They, yeah. Thank you so much for, um, for always, you know, supporting us. Um, you can find our products. Um, you know, we have really good distribution in the Northeast, which is where, you know, Susie's is, is, was born in New York City. So um, you can find us almost in every single supermarket, bodega, you know, cafe um, in the Northeast. Um, we also have really, really good distribution in Texas with HEB and Central Market. Um, and I recently found out that we're going to be in Safeway soon, which is really exciting. Um, and then, you know, um, we're nationwide with Kroger and all the Kroger banners, and we're in a lot of stores in California, too. But the best thing to do is to go to our website and enter in your zip code on our store locator, and you'll be able to find all your information there. Awesome. Perfect. And if you are in the store, I just want to note, I think you mentioned in the beginning, but they're in the freezer mm -hmm. section, like gluten-free freezer section? Yeah. Typically. Yep. Typically, if they're, if your store has a gluten-free section, it'll usually be there. But if not, it'll be in the frozen breakfast section. Awesome. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. And I'll see you soon. Yes. Yeah. Sounds good. And there you have it. Thank you all so much for listening. And I'm psyched for you to try Susie's Grain Free. Go to suziesgrainfree.com and check out the muffins they have. They've got amazing flavors.
My personal favorite is the double chocolate, <laughs> but they're all so good. They've got a coffee cake, sweet potato, banana chocolate, matcha green tea, and wild blueberry. And they're really good with almond butter. And when I'm being super decadent, I like to melt dark chocolate chips with coconut oil and make like a chocolate sauce. Oh my gosh, you guys, it's so good. And then also you can have them with yogurt, things like dairy-free yogurts that I love that are unsweetened. You can find like Kalina is a great brand or So Delicious Dairy-Free Coconut Milk Yogurt or there's Kite Hill Almond Milk Yogurt, Forager Cashew Milk Yogurt. Get the unsweetened ones. If you want it a little sweeter, maybe add a little bit, you know, mindful amounts of honey or maple syrup or maybe a little bit of monk fruit sweetener. Keep your blood sugar stable. And yeah, that's a really easy grab-and-go breakfast. Great snack on the go whatever you need it for any time of day. If you're just really wanting something that tastes good, try Susie's out. All right. And if you got any questions for me, if you need help on your journey, reach out. I'm here for you. You can email me at mindfulbelly at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram at mindfulbelly. And if you liked this episode or any of the episodes, it would mean the world for me to me if you could share with a friend or leave a review on iTunes. I would love to hear from you and would honestly love your feedback and how I can make this better and what you're interested in, what you're wanting to learn about. And to close this episode, just a reminder to ask yourself throughout the day, if I loved myself truly and deeply, what would I do?